He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your co-host, Jack Heald. I almost introduced a different show, Phil. I, I, I tripped into the autopilot mode there and almost introduced this as a different show. We've got a guest today, Chris Cornell, and uh, his story is one that anybody who pays attention to this podcast um, enjoys hearing. So, Rather than stealing any thunder, Dr. O, would you like to uh, take over? And uh, let's hear from Chris Cornell. Thanks, Jack. I'm really excited to have Chris on this week. Uh, You know, I was fortunate to uh, meet Chris a couple of years ago at one of the low-carb medical conferences. And, you know, Chris is really one of those superstars, I think, behind the scenes Uh, of the whole low-carb movement, and uh, he's done a lot of great work, uh, both, you know, on my platform and uh, working, you know, behind the scenes on my website, as well as uh, a couple of the other uh, low-carb doctors, and uh, helps, uh, you know, is a great asset to uh, some of the low-carb conferences as well. So I'm really excited to have him on this week, and you know, first and foremost, I just want uh, Chris to kind of introduce himself to the audience and tell his story because he, you know, has one of those great stories around uh, metabolic health and uh, coming to realize the importance of it over the last few years, as many of us have. Thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast and and nice to talk to you as well, Jack. Um Yeah, it was great meeting you two years ago in Boca at the Low Carb USA conference. Uh, We think we met in the elevator on the way to a uh, presentation, and uh, it's been it's been great to uh, actually follow your uh, story, Phil, uh, from from being at that conference and watching you launch uh, your presence in the low carb community. Um, I'm enjoying your book that you put out, "Stay Off My Operating Table," and. it's it's really been uh, it's really been fun to be a part of that. The um, this my story uh, with respect to low carb started um, really in January of 2018 um, when I read Gary Taubes's book uh, Why We Get Fat. Um, that was really what got me started. But um, the the low point for me really was a few years prior in uh, 2015. I stepped on a scale at my mother's house. I was visiting her and I hadn't stepped on a scale in years. And, um, I was, I knew I'd gotten a little out of shape, but when I stepped on the scale and saw 278 pounds, it was a bit eye opening. And I realized that, uh, at age 50, 51 or 52, I, I had really let myself go a lot further than I had ever dreamed. Um, and so it took a few years of, uh, of, making some real small, uh, improvements. But in 2018, I, I finally reached out to a friend and asked for a book and he, he recommended Taubes's book. And 
I, I picked it up and I started reading it and it was actually in the waiting room, the waiting area of a Mexican restaurant on my daughter's 16th birthday that I read a passage in that book um, that I realized for the first time that I thought I understood um, what I had to do to lose weight. And I actually started like half an hour later while I was at the dinner table. I um, didn't eat the tortilla. I uh, didn't eat any of the carbs. I just had uh, chicken and cheese and my low-carb diet started. And within maybe two weeks later, I realized that this was something that I could do. I started losing weight at a rate of about five or six pounds a month. And, uh, you know, later that year, I had uh, gotten to my goal weight and um, I've really never looked back. Um, I've, I've been, I, I, you know, at 278, I'm six foot three. Um, I am now right around 200 pounds and the, uh, the weight loss triggered a whole bunch of other changes in my life. Um, and so I, I started getting more fit, uh, introduced uh, a consistent uh, resistance training to my life. I'm now also a runner. So, you know, my, oh, wow. my uh, existence is, is quite a bit um, more, I, I enjoy a better quality life in so many ways compared with how I was when I weighed 278 pounds. And so that's, that's my low carb story. And I've gotten really involved in the um, low carb community. I really enjoy, um, I really well, enjoy hold, Twitter. Hold, hold and, on, and, hold, on. Yep. hold on just a minute. You got to realize I'm a marketer. That's what I, I do for a living. And you haven't, you haven't exposed us to the pain nearly enough yet for us to really appreciate the cessation of pain and the introduction of pleasure in your, in your story. So tell us about the pain. How did you end up 278 pounds? How was your life affected by being that out of shape? What were the things you tried and failed at? How long did you try and fail? You know, tell, tell us the things that anybody out there who's wanting to make a huge change in their own lives will recognize as similar to their story. Um, yeah, you're, you're, that's a great, great set of questions there. Um, I, at 278 pounds, um, you know, walking up a flight of stairs, uh, was a chore. Um, I, having met now scores of people in the low carb community, I realize that my problems are, were not as bad as many. However, it, it, it definitely affected my life. It affected my ability to, um, you know, to go running in the yard, uh, with, with my kids, it, uh, going for a hike, um, you know, it just, it, it made me tired. Um, and so, so, so weighing that much, it also, it, it does a little bit to your self-esteem when you, uh, you know, clothes don't fit right. Um, and the, um, the frustration of never ending attempts to lose the weight, um, all my life, I had been told, you know, eat less, move more. Um, that's that's the advice, um, and it's told to people in many different ways. Uh, you know, it's not always in those exact words, but it's like you're eating too much, and you're not getting enough exercise. That's the basic, the basic gist of it. And I, 
I learned that I could restrict my calories and lose weight. I did it successfully. Um, you know, if you want to call it success, uh, uh, the, the biggest success that I enjoyed was when I got down to about 207 pounds. Um, this was about 12 years ago. Um, so I had lost like 50 pounds in one stretch. And I remember ordering um, from a mail order place two pairs of pants in size 34, which was about what I wore when I was a senior in high school. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled to put those pants on. And, th- you know, by the time that they went through the wash the first time, I had already started regaining the weight. So those those two pairs of pants each got worn either once or twice and and never again because I gave them to goodwill when when I got back over 250 pounds because I gave up and thought there would be no chance that I was ever going to be de- back that way again. Um so it's it takes a toll on your your esteem um and and the way you feel about yourself and you you know I there's so many things drill, in life drill deeper, that, drill deeper. What's that what do you drill deeper what do you mean it takes a toll well give us specifics well there's a lot of things in life that you that well i'll talk about you know myself where you know i've, I've been good at certain things and have failed at other things and when you fail at something repeatedly eventually you you know, you're, you're, if, if you get kicked enough times, you, you just finally throw in the towel and to fail at something that you want to succeed at, it, it, it hurts your, your confidence, your pride. Um, and, and it's just, it's defeating, especially when you, when you've tried for 30, 40 years, you've held that, that hope alive. And you finally just give it up, um, and especially when you're not, you don't really want to give it up. But but there's also something defeating about keeping this hope that never gets realized. So, um, and this one of the things I've learned is is a lot of these feelings they don't just sit in a box with respect to your weight. Um, when you score a victory in one area of your life, it, it rolls over, carries over to how you feel about other areas of your life. And that works in the negative and in the positive. And so I think I beat myself up a lot sometimes after sort of giving up on the weight. Um, and again, you know, I, I, at six foot three, I, I don't compare myself to some people that I know that really, you know, we're, we're 400 pounds, 500, you know, whatever, but, but it's still defeating and it, it hurts your, 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 your image, your pride. Um, so it was, it was just, I don't even know what exactly what it was that made me think, oh, you know what I do? You know, I have a, I have an adopted brother. His name is John and he is a type two diabetic. He's 10 years younger than me. So he's 40, he's 48 years old and he, suffers from type two diabetes, his kidneys failed, he's on dialysis. Mm. He, his situation, his story, which I know is not isolated to just him, but to millions of others, um, really pisses me off that, that he's never been able to solve his problem. 
And so, you know, I can relate um, to people that that are not able to to figure out the solution because for me, it was this close to never figuring it out, and it was it was just the fact that a friend recommended this specific book for me to read and something resonated and I was able to figure it out. So, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where, where I come from. And the, the, um, I don't know, do you, do you want to know any more about the pain or the suffering? Yeah. What's fascinating to me is I, (laughs) I went on your website and the before and after pictures, you know, there, there are really are people who were far heavier than you are who lose the weight. But what is astonishing to me with your before and after pictures is you're not just, you didn't just lose weight. You look like, you look like um, a wildly fit athlete after being 80 pounds overweight. And at 80 pounds overweight, I mean, it's horrible to say this, but you just look like a typical 50 American year old, a typical 50 year old American guy. It was just, yeah, there's everywhere I go. I see guys who look exactly like that. Heavy, but not really fat, round, not really obese, slow and squishy. And, and you can just, we we know what they look but we're they're everywhere and then that after picture of you honest to god you look like you just finished an iron man um it's astonishing to me it's it's really astonishing yeah so that kind of change is, is the kind of thing that that people get excited about yeah, and just to follow up on that, you know, it, it it turns out that uh, you know, our guests last week and this week, you know, uh last week we had PD Mangum on and you know, I would put you, you know, Chris and PD in the category of, you know, this is how I want to age. Uh and one of the things that I think is uh, most um, you know, I enjoy most about the content that Chris puts out there is, you know, uh, how open you are about the challenges you're taking on. And, you know, you might not always reach your goal. You know, uh, I remember, I think last year, you know, you had uh, set a certain goal for doing a 5K and you didn't quite get your time, but you still did the 5K. Uh, and, uh, you know, similarly, you you put goals out there around, uh, you know, bench pressing and things like that. And I'm just always impressed how open you are about what your goals are. And how you're not afraid to admit when, you know, you don't quite reach them, but that doesn't mean you didn't get a lot better in the process. Yeah, well, I, I've learned a heck of a lot from from social media, from Twitter specifically, and from the people around me. And I've, uh, I've changed a lot as a result of this journey. Um, as I was saying before, you know, the, the feeling of f- being defeated and then... Conversely, when you succeeded a goal, especially one that you kind of gave up on, um, it, it it starts to make you believe that you can achieve other goals that you may, um, you know, have some doubts about. 
and then and then it also when you know by making yourself um, authentic and vulnerable, which I I you know I went through um, cancer after I reached my goal weight. I was diagnosed with head and neck cancer, and I went through chemo and radiation, and I mm. I um you know I had gotten myself into at the time the best shape of my life in October of 2018. Um, like I was in the best shape I'd ever been in when I got the call from my doctor who said, Hey, that lump we took out of your neck is cancer. And, and, um, and, and that was, that was actually, you know, a a strange blessing in disguise because I, for a long time had probably taken far too many things for granted. And I went through a period of, uh, at least a couple of weeks where I actually thought that you know, my, my, uh, my diagnosis was going to end up being a terminal cancer because of some things that had happened with respect to a CAT scan in my chest, PET scan in my chest. I had, you know, I had to wait for a, a chest biopsy and, and, you know, so we, my wife and I had some very heavy conversations and, and at that point, I think I'd already benefited from this, this community and from some of the benefits of losing the weight. And I was like, you know what? I, you know, you can, you can fail, but you're not going to give up. And, and so I just decided, you know, I'm never going to take another day for granted. Um, and I've held to that. I, I, you know, I get up early sometimes just to see, um, a gray sunrise because I can. And so, so my, my, uh, thoughts about achieving things have, have changed drastically. Um, and as as you were alluding to, Phil, um, the, the the fact admitting that you can that you that you fail at something just it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really matter too much whether I get that bench press or not. Um, you know, like I'm going to fail at some things, I'm going to succeed at others, but I'm no longer embarrassed by you know by failing. Um, the failures just lead to successes, and. Um, some of the things that I've, you know, I, lo- I would love to impart some of this, th- what I've learned to other people. And I know I have, because I have an email that goes out every week. That's another thing that I started um, in June of 2020 on a whim. I just said, you know, hey, anybody want to hear what I have to say every week? And I had 400 subscribers in, in less than three days. Wow. Um, and and that that blew my mind because that showed me that I wasn't just talking into the wind, you know, you know, I know there's people with much bigger audiences, but Hey, if 400 people signed up in three days, I'm like, wow, this is, I'm kind of getting through to some people. And now I don't have to, you know, I get, I get emails and direct messages from people that, um, you know, are, they, they, they just want to know, you know, is there, can you share a link with me or a book? And I don't give out advice because I'm not qualified to give out medical advice. I'm not qualified to give out you know, true fitness advice, but I can, t- you know, say to somebody, Hey, this is a, this is a link that really helped me. This is a podcast. This is a book. Um, you know, go, go listen, go read Phil Ovedia's book or go listen to, uh, you know, this podcast. And, you know, I, I have volumes of notes and, and, and files and, and papers, you know, people, you know, like, uh, you know, I hear, I hear a podcast that, talks a guy in the fitness community who also struggled with alcoholism and I see a, a one of my followers is is posting about his struggles with um, 
with alcohol. I'm like, oh man, you know, here's a here's a, a link. Just just share it. And the 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 feedback that I get from these people is is really um, you know, it keeps me going, put it that way. Um, you know, I I work as I work for a a small firm and we do um public relations and communications and I do a lot of writing and I have clients outside of the low carb community, but the work that I do inside the low carb community um, is what really, really, you know, gets me out of bed in the morning. I want to circle back because, you know, you, uh, when you were talking about your story and, you know, had how you had lost weight many times before, but would always gain it back. And I think that's such a common story you know, we hear from people and, and certainly people that know my background, you know, know I had the same struggles. And quite frankly, it was Gary Tobbs as well for me that, you know, got me down this path. So talk a little bit from your perspective, you know, what is it about what Gary talks about? Uh, what is it about, you know, kind of low carb and metabolic health that's been so different for you that here you are five years later and, you know, still having success with it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of that. I'm about six years in, uh, but same thing, you know, that, you know, we had tried all of the same things before, probably we had, you know, those same short-term successes and they never really lasted long-term. And then, you know, Gary doesn't really say anything new in his books. You know, he didn't discover anything. He just kind of, uh, you know, I think just has a such a great way of communicating it and, and kind of, you know, really looking at the history and the science objectively. Uh, but what has it been about, you know, sort of low carb do you think that has allowed you to continue to be successful now all these years later? Well, and I, I, I know that, um, that Gary is a controversial figure because of, his um, proposition that the um, that his model works on the basis of the the carbohydrate insulin model, and that's a big argument, and there's a lot of science involved. And um, I don't really think that I paid much attention to that, but there were things in in what he wrote, how he explained, you know, how there's something that happens when you eat carbohydrates and specifically certain kinds of carbohydrates that that causes your body to consume more um because your body your body remains hungry um your 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 body is not getting you know i i i sometimes i hesitate to try to explain this to people because i don't completely understand um a lot of it and when i see people with phd's um, arguing as if they don't understand the mechanisms. I separate the mechanism from the reality. But the way Gary explained it was that if I were to get off the carbohydrates, my body could be nourished, could receive what it needs to do what it needs um, with without being overweight without driving those calories into fat stores. Um, so exactly the mechanism, I don't know, but, um, but you're right. He, he, he explained it in a way he sold me on the, on the concept, but better yet, he didn't just sell me when I tried what he did, what he said, it actually worked. And 
um, it worked in a way that I could never have imagined. Um, I believe that the, the foundational element to weight loss is figuring out how to achieve satiety in an effective way, how to use that as a lever. And, um, okay. Define, define satiety. Well, to, for me, satiety is, it's, it's not, it's not just a feeling of fullness. It's a feeling of, um, satisfaction. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I was actually amazed a few times early on during this process. It's sometimes it's, it's a euphoric feeling, um, a feeling of complete, almost euphoria about what you've eaten, something that I never experienced before. Um, it, a feeling of, of satisfaction that, but with, without any of the, <laughs> without any of the pains associated with eating that I used to experience when I'd go out to eat at a, at a buffet and I'd, you know, sometimes I'd have to, um, you know, race home to get to the bathroom before, you know, you know, and, and, and now eat like something with, um, protein and fat, um, healthy, healthy fats and, and, and protein. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a feeling of contentment about your, about what you've eaten and it, it can last for hours. Um, you know, so actually question, go um, ahead. because I've, I've never struggled with weight. Um, how how does that feeling that your your that that euphoric satisfaction that you're describing now with food compare to the before picture how is that different for you when you say the before picture you mean what what, what i felt at that point uh the before you you were able to make this uh get a hold of your weight problem and fix it. What was it like to not when you were when you were 80 pounds overweight? What was your relationship with food then? Oh, I I yeah, it was it was dramatically different and it was dysfunctional without me really realizing it. Um I <clears throat> you know, I I was always um I I really did not realize what what a what a waste of money and time um in addition to sabotaging my own physique or whatever i used to um go stop into convenience stores um every time i passed one um to buy another like 3 4 5 dollars worth of food um i would be i would eat all the time um and 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 not not you know huge quantities, but like if I was working at a desk job, which I did for a number of years, I also ran a business where I was on my feet a lot. Uh, there'd always be a bag or two open. There'd always be chips and uh, and, and candy and um, soft drinks, and you know that would alternate between times when I was dieting, where I was trying to restrict, and you know maybe it looked a little different, but there was always. Um, a, the opposite of that euphoria I described. It was always like either I'm eating or I'm hungry. Was um, it like an adversarial relationship with food, a, a love-hate relationship? I mean, was it just – Well, food was I enjoyable, mean, I, but – is a good word. I will – my cat just 
fell off the desk. <laughs> Sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no problem. I, I think I think adversarial um, is, is probably accurate. I just didn't realize it at the time. You know, like food sabotaged me in so many ways. Um, you know, like I, I could see it in a smoker who's standing outside of his office on a 12-degree day. Um, smoking a cigarette right outside the front door of his office, you know, in the bitter cold. And I'd, I'd see that as how can you be so crazy to, to be harming your life while standing out in the freezing cold and, and, you know, smoking a cigarette. But I was essentially doing the same thing, only they allowed me to bring the food into work. Um, you know, eating, eating at your desk all day long is, is, it's, it's, uh, it's costing you money. Um, both in the and time that you're spending, you know, wasting to go get it and bring it back, um, but you know, more importantly, it's it's just continuing the cycle of being overweight and being out of shape and 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 harming yourself. Um, so, so I, you know, the satiety thing for me was I, I, it's possible that I my experience was um, easier and and far better than many, but for me once I figured out to, to, to I, you know, I, I, there's so many angles on this. Sure. Eventually I set up a set of rules, which I keep on a business card sized piece of paper. It's, it's got six bullet points and those are my nutrition rules. And when I say six points, I mean, they are very concise. It's basically, I eat 200 grams of protein a day. I eat 50 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per day. I don't eat after 9 p.m. and I don't eat before 12 noon. And I do not eat. Uh, let's see. I shouldn't say do not. I I very drastically have reduced my consumption of added sugar, grains, and seed oils. So, and then the, the final step is just to always keep nutritious foods available on hand so that I don't have to succumb to the, 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 the cravings or hunger that would happen if I went out and, and was like five hours away where I didn't have access to food and I might, you know, eat, eat a bunch of junk food. So just always having something good. So those, those rules are very quick. You're describing the kind of rules that I hear people who've, who've, um, who've dealt with addiction some sort of addiction build for themselves in order to protect themselves from their own worst habits. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, you know, number one, it's very important to me um, that I maintain this lifestyle for the rest of my life. And four years in, I have no doubt that that's going to happen, but it is very important. And those rules uh, serve, serve me well. Uh, the reason why I first created them was because for like the 20th time on Twitter, someone said, what is it that you do? Can you tell me? Can you share with me? And I realized that every time someone asked me, I had to think about what it is that I do. And I said, you know, this is stupid. I, I should just write them down. And then I can just literally, at, at this point now, I have the images right on my computer. And if somebody sends a tweet that says, you know, what do you do? I literally you just do. cut and paste. And and I don't care. You know, it's not it's not even... You know, sometimes people get bothered by getting asked the same question over and over. Um, every time I share it, every single time, other new people 
get something out of it because like they give me feedback you know it it, it gets feedback i don't sure. i don't you know, sometimes it's just a response it might get like five ten likes and a couple of comments but um if i post every maybe every month or so i'll post it fresh in the twitter feed and it gets tons of engagement and and i've had people people subsequently send me their rules that they created as a result of seeing my rules and one point that i always try to make is those are my rules don't you you can you can look at my rules you can use them you can share them you can you could make them your own if you want to but they're not meant as anybody else's rules everybody has to figure something out for themselves um, but one other thing I learned was when, when I make the rules, I can then hold myself accountable and I can measure my progress or my, my maintenance. And if, if things continue to go well, then I just stay the course. But if, wait, if wait I started you to said, gain- You said something really powerful. Actually, you said a couple of really powerful things there um, that I want to highlight. What you discovered that if you made the rules, you can hold yourself accountable for following them. Is did I hear that right? Absolutely. That seems like a really powerful insight. Is it is it possible that the reason you were unable to to follow through in the past is because it was somebody else's rules? You were you were working is um, that was that the, uh, the i wish case? that were the case i you know honestly the the the, the well when i what I was going to say about the rules is if the rules aren't working there's two reasons two potential reasons or a combination of the two it's either one you're not following them or two there's something wrong with them and so simple enough <laughs> And, and so you just have to be honest with yourself and say, is the reason why they're not having the results that I want because I'm not following them? And I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself. I know I, I have, I've uh, developed rules for my fitness and I've started some rules for other areas of my life, but I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself. I think most of the time, um, I've become a lot more honest with myself. The more, the more you enjoy success, the more you realize what you're capable of, um, you can afford to be more honest. Um, you mm. you just the you more, just know that lying more, to yourself. I, I just keep hearing these gems. <clears throat> I'm glad this is recorded because I can go back and listen to it. The more you, <clears throat> excuse me, the more you succeed, the more you feel like you can succeed. I think that's basically what I heard you say. There's no the doubt about you, it. You, the more you believe in your own success, <clears throat> the yeah, more you believe in your own success. And definitely, I think, you know, one of the other things that, you know, kind of stands out about what Chris is saying is, you know, what resonates with me as well. And, and uh, you know, I tried to communicate in the book is that, you know, I can't tell you, you know, even as a physician, you know, when I'm working with my patients, you know, I, I always say, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you figure out what's going to work for you. And, uh, you know, again, when I wrote the book, you know, I didn't give Dr. Ovedia's 28 day diet plan because, you know, 
Dr. Ovedia's plan only works for Dr. Ovedia. Um, you know, I tried to set up a framework uh, that people can, you know, within that framework, find what's going to work for them. And, you know, when Isn't I'm working with patients, though? that's what I do. Isn't that kind of a different approach? I mean, you understand what I'm asking. It's very, I think it is different than what the, you know, medical system traditionally tries to do. Uh, you know, we, we have this view uh, that, you know, you need someone to tell you what to do. Uh, you know, I need those rules, you know, the, the U.S. dietary guidelines, you know, whatever they are. Uh, but, you know, what I find works best for most people, and I, I think, you know, this is what Chris is getting at, is that, you know, you need to find what works for you. Uh, but you know, there, there is those, I guess the kind of meta rules that, you know, uh, we, we know that eating processed food is not going to work for anyone pretty much. Uh, but you know, within, I think, uh, you know, the health, the, the metabolic health space, you know, there is a lot of different things that may work. Uh, and ultimately everyone needs to find what works for them. Uh, and, but there are sort of commonalities that work for most people or a lot of people. That's, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm driving out at is, is what is it that happens inside a person that, that transforms them internally that then cascades into that external transfer transformation. And it, it sounds to me like that's really the pivot point. You know, I know your story, Dr. O, and Chris hearing your story, something happened. Something, and it wasn't just I gutted it up and forced myself through and finally be caught through, through sheer willpower, willed myself into this transformation. It's almost always something, almost an aha moment, an epiphany. Uh, I didn't realize this, and now I know it. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, well, you asked a question a, a few moments ago about um, about the rules and and if if yeah. it was that I wrote them, if that made the difference. I think it comes back to those two points that I that I was talking about. It's it's um if the rules are wrong, it doesn't really matter who wrote them. If if they can't work, they're not going to work for anybody. And unfortunately, millions of us have tried to lose weight using a set of rules that simply don't work for us. Now, just because there are people out there that claim that they can, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm sounding a little too cynical, that the, if, you, if you lose weight by counting calories and that works for you, that is fine. I have no qualms with that for someone else, but it never worked for me and I'm gathering it never worked for Phil and it, it never worked for, for, I mean, I've met um, you know, now, I mean, scores of people who have lost 40, 50, 80 pounds or more. And for most of them, it didn't work for them either. So the rules have to be workable and then you can deal with the adherence part. Um, and, and there's nothing more debilitating than being told that the reason why you're failing is because you just don't have enough discipline or enough willpower right. because you know, you're, you're, you're trying, you're, you're, you know, you peep and you know what, there's people who 
in this world who are incredibly successful at doing the most high pressure, complicated, difficult things, and yet they're 100 pounds overweight. How do you explain mm. that? Like, why is it that that's the one thing that they that they just they don't have any sort of discipline or self control? You know, like like do they have control or not? You know, it's like they, they just don't know the right way to do it. And I do believe. I, I know that the journey is more difficult for some people than others, but I do believe that there, um, there is a path, uh, a set of rules that would work for most people. Um, I guess the definition of, you know, how well some people are going to struggle more than others, but, uh, and I, and I don't, this set of rules, this, this process is, is it literally keeps me up at night sometimes trying to figure out how, I can get better at sharing this process with other people. Um, and that's why I like working with some of these um, practitioners who have figured it out because I, you know, anytime that I help a practitioner who's helping people, and especially when they're doing it at scale, like helping people get this knowledge, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like my life has purpose. Um, you know, mm. I, I, I just enjoy, um, you know, helping push this community forwards. Um, but I also, I'm always asked, I do a lot of interviews. I write a lot of articles and I talk to a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge. Like I've, I've, you know, I've interviewed Phil, I've interviewed a lot of these doctors, nurse practitioners, dietitians. And every time that I talk to a practitioner, I ask them, how, how would you get through? What information would you use to, to, turn that switch in somebody that can't figure it out because it's not a one size fits all set of rules, but there's got to be some sort of uniform underlying principles that we can use to, to, to make, you know, help people get, get those changes. Um, but I, I've also learned from, from the, this whole process of, of weight loss for me has spilled over into the fitness. You mentioned the, my fitness earlier, I've used a lot of the same principles that I, that I learned in my weight loss journey. And I've just kind of moved over into the fitness part. And instead of, you know, asking a obesity medicine doctor, his thoughts, I'll ask a, um, you know, a, a trainer or, a um, somebody that's a, a bodybuilder or, you know, somebody that, that has succeeded in, in, um, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten help from marathon runners, ultra marathon runners, I've gotten advice that has been incredibly valuable. And, um, and so that's, that's sort of what led to my, uh, my little, uh, 5k journey last year, but, but I've already signed up for my first, um, half marathon in October. So I would love to be, a, I would love to be able to, um, say run a half marathon in a, you know, a respectable time for a, 58 year old man, which that's how old I'll be and bench press 300 pounds in the same month. That would be a goal for me for uh, this fall. What would 49 year old you have thought if uh, they could see 58 year old you? I would have been pretty surprised, uh, maybe even disbelieving in a lot of ways. Uh, honestly, 49 year old me wouldn't have even been uh able to carry on this conversation, uh, without a great deal of hardship. Um, 
I, you know, I had a, um, a definite fear of public speaking. I realize that here I'm just really talking to you guys directly, but I wouldn't have felt that way about getting on a podcast. I would have definitely imagined the, um, thousands of people that, that listen to this podcast and it would have, uh, it would have struck fear into my heart. So, um, um, and, and, you know, a lot of the progress that I've made in terms of my ability to communicate my ideas, both in terms of my weekly email and coming on this podcast have uh, been a direct result of the, the, uh, improvements that I've made that started with that book four years ago. I, I do think it's important. We'll make sure that we link Gary Taub's book. Uh, I, remember, I know Gary Taub was what, – what, yours was Good Calories, Bad Calories, Dr. O? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's actually kind of the same book, Why We Get Fat oh, and Good it? Calories, Bad Calories. Good Calories, Bad Calories was sort of the the uh, in-depth scientific, you know, uh, tome on the uh, subject. And then he kind of condensed it down into Why We Get Fat. Uh, kind of a broad market the, version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll make sure we link that in the show notes. Um, I'm fascinated with the the kinds of mental, psychological, emotional, spiritual transformations that inevitably seem to to result when people make these kinds of physical changes. Talk about the other kinds of of transformations aside from the physical, aside from the 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 self uh, perception. Where else did you see positive transformation? Uh, well, you know, physical um, and the weight, um, the, uh, my, you know, I, writing is my, is, is a large part of my, um, of my career. Um, I've, I've used some of the same strategies uh that i've learned from the fitness and the uh the weight loss to um to set up rules to make myself a better writer um you know putting that weekly email together that i've pretty much uh uh i had one three-week hiatus uh last last summer but um i've i've put out 90 weekly emails um and it's just a rule that i have it's it's helped me immensely it's helped me um it's, it's sort of like a journal for me, um, but I share it with a thousand people um, and I get feedback. Uh, feedback is incredible um, for, for personal growth, uh, you know, sharing, being authentic in all aspects of your life. And then you, you, you get people to make suggestions, to ask questions. Questions are the, probably the most valuable thing that, that I you know, I, I used to shy away from questions, but questions um, are th- this the, the best tool that you can have. People ask you why you do something, and you know, either you explain it to them easily because you know, or you don't know, and now you've got to stop for a minute and say, "Why am I doing that?" And and the more times I answer questions about what I'm doing, the more I learn. Number one, what I might have been doing wrong. Because a lot of times a simple question yields um, a discovery on my part that that I you know I didn't really know why I was doing something the way I was doing it and you know somebody mm-hmm. says you know why are you eating that much protein if I don't know the answer I better figure it out um, and um, you know it's it's just it's just endless um, 
it, this, it's, it's just really this idea that, um, that you, that there's really no limitations. Some people, some people maybe never, never felt those limitations that I felt, but, um, at age, you know, 51, 50, now it's like 53, I'd say I, you know, a certain, certain thing went off in my head, like that said, you know, I've, I've been limiting myself and, and there really shouldn't be any boundaries. And some of that also went with the, you know, with the whole mortality thing, when you get a cancer diagnosis and you, a lot of people are, are afraid of failure, afraid of fear, um, like that's a limiter for them. And what do you, most of, most, most of that is from like a fear of embarrassment, a fear of rejection, a fear of other people knowing that you didn't succeed at something. Once you put it out there and you, you make yourself vulnerable, it's over. It's, I mean, in a good way, it's like, okay, I just got over that hurdle. I've just embarrassed myself. Now forget about it. Let's, let's go succeed. Um, that's, that's my attitude. So I, I'm no longer, um, worried about about that you know you know your 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 days are numbered here you've got a certain number of of sunsets and sunrises left in your life you don't know how many but make the most of it and try to score as many successes as you can and also you know it, it causes you to shift your priorities quite a bit you know things like uh, family and uh, friends um, and your faith become more important and uh, superficial things become less important um, but you know, a lot of the things that I, that I chase are related to those things anyway. Yeah. And talk a little bit more about, you know, what the influence has been of your journey on, you know, your family, on those close to you, you know, the more and more I've worked with the individual patients that I work with, but also, you know, working now with businesses and organizations as a whole, as I do, you know, you really see how this spreads, you know, this is infectious. It's very rare that I help, you know, just one person. And, you know, more commonly what I see is, you know, I'm I'm helping, you know, the patient that I'm taking care of. And then they're coming back and say, you know, my kid is now doing this or my wife is now doing this or, you know, my my siblings are now doing this. Uh so what what has, you know, the influence been of your journey on, you know, your family, your friends, those close to you? Oh, it's, oh, it's been incredibly positive. Um, you know, I got to say my, my wife, um, like really, really helped me through the cancer in a huge way. She, you know, like usually like if somebody, if you get cancer, you ask a lot of questions of your doctor and you do a lot of Google searches and stuff like that. I, I didn't have to Google anything because, I would have just been wasting my time. My wife Googled every single thing you could imagine about my cancer. She asked questions. She told me what questions I should consider asking my doctor. And she was immensely helpful and supportive through it. And then um, I remember the first day after after treatment, um, you know, I, the two of us had been running before my cancer uh, diagnosis and I uh, went for a run with my wife and I couldn't run a mile and, you know, she offered to wait and I told her to go, go run ahead. And I was kind of bummed out. But then I, 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 I told myself that for, as you know, barring some unforeseen thing, I, I would never, ever 
declined to go out for a run with her when she asked if I ever, if I wanted to go for a run, you know, I'm never going to turn down that opportunity again. The two of us went running um, three times a week until not only could I run a mile, but I was able to run five, six miles. I mean, I was pretty wiped out after that cancer, uh, the radiation and chemo. Um, but anyway, th- this is a long way of getting around to the, to your question, Phil, about family. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so incredibly important to have the support of your family. And it also makes you at the same time realize how important it is to be supportive. Um, and I, I've heard practitioners say so many times that, um, especially when it comes to weight loss, that the lack of support um, or, or worse, um, antagonism around weight loss from family members is, is one of the determinants of success. Um, it's really, really hard to succeed at losing weight if you have other people in your family that are, that are not supportive or actually antagonizing your efforts. Um, and it's pretty common. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who do not have the blessing of the support that I've had. Um, my, my wife is supportive. My kids, uh, have been nothing but encouraging during my journey, both with the cancer and the weight loss. And, um, I don't know. I, did I, did I answer your question adequately, Phil? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that was a great answer. And I think, uh, it, it largely matches up with what I see. Uh, you know, the people who are successful, uh, certainly, you know, have the support of those around them and, usually end up influencing those around them as well. And unfortunately for some people, you know, the people around them kind of tend to sabotage them and that's mm-hmm. really hard to overcome. Wow. Well, it's, so it's, I, I, I try to take a theme from, from every episode and you've, on the one hand, it's going to sound cliche, but on the other hand, you embody it. And, I I think the theme is you can do it if you make the rules because with you with with your own rules you can stick to the rules you make for yourself. I I, I didn't say that well but but that resonates with me. A completely different area in my life. I made some rules for myself 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And because they were rules I made for myself, I almost never don't follow those rules. And and we're not we're talking about something that's challenging. That was challenging for me. A lifetime of of following the rules I've made for myself make it easier every day, but yeah. And I I think that, I think that was a profound insight. I think so. And I think it fits in with, you know, one of the themes of, of this podcast, which has been that, you know, everyone has the power within themselves, uh, you know, to make these changes, to take back control of their health and, you know, to guide themselves uh, to better health uh, and a better life. So I think that's uh, that sums it up. Well, uh, you know, 
Chris, let us know, let, let uh, everyone know where they can follow you. I certainly encourage everyone to sign up for your newsletter. It's a great weekly read. Um, I, I enjoy and I look forward to uh, receiving it each week. Uh, so please let everyone know, you know, best place to find you, best place to follow you and how they can sign up for the newsletter. It's pretty easy. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, and my, my handle is biggest comeback. And the link to subscribe to my email is right in my Twitter bio. And anybody that subscribes to my email uh, will receive emails from my personal email ac- account. And you're free to uh, reach me uh, sending email to that address. Uh, so that is a very easy way for anybody to get in, in touch with me and uh, uh, follow me, but uh, also ask questions or whatever they wish. I have a suspicion you're going to get a lot of traffic here in the next couple of weeks after this podcast lands. Chris, really good conversation. Thank you for your time and and sharing those things. That's good stuff. Dr. O, anything you want to finish with? No, just uh, I, I just want to take another chance to thank the audience out there. You know, we've uh, really been making some great strides with this podcast. I'm really uh, excited to see you know, how it's grown. And it, it, I really value that so many people are taking the time to listen to it each week. Uh, and you guys uh, are making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really making a difference. So, All right. Well, that's, that's Chris Cornell at biggestchallenge.com and on Twitter biggest, at biggest challenge, biggest, biggest comeback. comeback. I'm sorry, biggest comeback, biggestcomeback.com and on Twitter at biggest comeback. And for Dr. Ovedia, you can follow him at iFixHearts. His uh, website is ovadiahearthealth.com. I'm Jack Heald for the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.